0: Hi there, Megan Thompson with Megan Thompson Coaching and today we're going to be busting a myth about safe space people. If you think that your child is melting down with you and that means that you are her safe person, make sure that you take a listen to today's show. Hello and welcome to How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. and help your child express their needs safely without punishments, yelling, or coddling. If you wanna know the answer, you're in the right place. So here at MTC, we help parents of highly sensitive kids break out of the meltdown cycle in as little as eight weeks. That means that the meltdown cycle for you could be that your child is hitting, kicking, screaming, yelling, running away, refusing, um, throwing their body on the floor, shutting down, isolating in their room, everything, all of the above, pl- plenty of things on this list. And this is true for your child if they are engaging in this behavior anywhere between ages four all the way up to 18. You know, when we think about the, some of this behavior that I mentioned, it's developmentally appropriate when, done in, when demonstrated infrequently. children ages two to four, but once you get to the point where your kids having daily meltdowns and they're four, that's not developmentally appropriate. That means that that a four-year-old should not be having meltdowns on a daily basis. And if your child's nine, 10, 11, one of the things that you might be thinking if, and this is something that, that really just is like nails on a chalkboard for me. When I hear professionals say that your child is, uh, your, is in her safe space when they are melting down with the parent and this is really something that uh, we're going to be breaking down today one of the things that I think is, is very important in this dynamic to notice is that as your child's parent it's so hard to see your child in pain right So I want to just acknowledge that, validate that for you. Of course, of course, it is torture to watch your child struggle, to watch your child cry on a daily basis, feel miserable on a daily basis, share with you or struggle to share with you how much they experience overwhelm during the day or worries, right? And so, as a parent, when you're when you're witnessing your child's level of intensity that they are they're screaming and they're saying things like "I hate you" or "You don't love me" or "You're the worst mommy ever" and "You'll never love me" and "I know that we don't that I don't love you" or "You love uh, my sister more than me" or or anything of that nature. As a parent, that is like a you know a, a punch to the gut, right? And when we hear this from from children, parents can can often wonder, you know, why is this happening? Why is my child able to uh, manage or, or or manage themselves or share their needs in other avenues of their life, uh, like at school or in the community, in scouts or in sports or with aunt and uncle or grandparents and keep it together in those di- those dynamics. But by the time they get home, you know, inevitably between the end of school and bedtime, there's a challenge here that we're having, and my child is losing it. What gives, right? The, it can be really tricky to, to figure out where those meltdowns are coming from when you're not the one who's, uh, who's, who's adding to the intensity, intensity to the equation regularly, right? So when I tell parents, that the parenting strategy is the key component to breaking out of the meltdown cycle. Those of you who are struggling with this dynamic in your home can say, well, wait a minute, I'm showing my child they can manage their emotions. I'm teaching my child how to take deep breaths. I'm walking them through what they can do to t- help their, their peers you know, treat them fairly or to, to ask for help or say they forgot an assignment with their, you know, with their teacher no matter the age. And then I'm the one who's getting the brunt of all this intensity, right? My child's yelling at me. They're scratching my skin. They're throwing things at me. They're breaking my stuff. They're pulling my hair. What's going on? And when you are in this search, you might be coming up with a a couple of answers, right? And and I want to break down some of those that are just simply not helpful for you in breaking out of this pattern at the root. Okay, and one of the things that we hear parents say over and over again, you could be searching for support from other um, parents, you could be searching for support from other professionals, um, you know, doctors, other therapists, uh, school counselors, uh, your mentors, grandparents, even, you know, other parents who are trying to uh, work their way through positive parenting with their own children, right? And so one of the things that you might be hearing is that when your child is melting down with you, that means that you are their safe space. They are melting down with you because they feel safe around you to let it all out. And I have to put a, you know, you know, pump the brakes here on that statement. It is incredibly important for you to notice that that statement is more relevant for non-highly sensitive children. If you're parenting a highly sensitive child and your child's meltdowns are much bigger than a non-highly sensitive child's meltdowns are to begin with, then it's very important that you notice that your child does not feel safe in the meltdown cycle. And the meltdown cycle in and of itself is a signal that your child is feeling unsafe and in fear and in anxiety regularly throughout the entire day even with you so where does this come from right where does this come from what do you mean megan even with me well because it's very likely that your strategies at home are used more appropriately for non-highly sensitive children including positive parenting strategies, because that's not the uh, most appropriate way to manage parenting a sensitive child. It's lacking significantly structure and follow through in teaching your child how to manage their big behavior urges and their big behavior impulsivities. So when we think about gentle parenting, a couple of things that are useful is teaching your child to name their emotions, right? Teaching your child that their feelings are valid, Teaching your child that a lot of kids feel big feelings and that's okay, right? So some of those tactics, it's not a strategy, tactics can be useful in helping your child feel like they're not alone, right? Or in, you know, it's important for everybody to notice when they feel angry or uh, be aware of the difference between sadness and and frustration and, and anger and, and worry and, and happiness and, su- and surprise, right? All of those emotions are important for every human being. And we know, as parents who have been paying attention to how to raise children in, in, with an, with emotional intelligence, that children with high emotional intelligence fare better in their careers, they are more successful adults, both in their intimate relationships, their friendship, relationships, and in their careers. Okay, and, and are often, you know, the difference between a leader and a follower in adult careers is, the, you know, one of the high key components in, in that, in the difference is high emotional IQ, or know we, we, one might call it EQ, emotional, um, uh, emotional awareness, right? Because you can't manage other people if you're frustrated with them all the time. You just won't deliver your instructions appropriately. You won't communicate your needs appropriately. People will stop following you because you're emotionally volatile, right? So being able to manage your emotions in in the workplace is critical for uh, being, being an effective leader where you don't have high turnover for your employees, right? I'm not saying that people who are emotionally volatile never get promoted because, you know, we've all had bosses like that that are just not effective. But uh, people who are successful at having you know, loyal employees, um, you know, longevity in, um, in their workforce, and then longevity in their own, um, their own um, positions to include promote, getting promoted, and or maintaining and, and thriving in their business if they're the business owner, they all are able to steady themselves in their emotional presentation, manage their emotions and not lose it, right? So why? Because it's set, it creates a sense of safety in the environment. People trust you more as a leader. And so they share with you the challenges that they're having in the workplace. And so, And as a result, they come to you with creative problem solving because they believe that you're going to listen to them as a leader, right? So when we take that all that, that awareness, that emotional intelligence makes great leaders. What we know for sure is that lack of emotional intelligence creates lack of safety in the workplace. Same thing is going on for your child. When your child lacks emotional awareness and lacks emotional intelligence because of a gap, not because they're not capable, a gap in their skills, then inherently they feel less safe in their bodies, in their minds and in their hearts, because when you're stressed and overwhelmed, your body is doing something, your heart is racing, your palms are sweaty, your mind is racing. And if you're not able to notice any of those things or, or uh, decrease any of those experiences, then your body will feel out of control. When you feel out of control, you feel less safe, right? You're following me? So when your child has gotten to the point where their behavior is so out of control, it's in a meltdown, they're not paying attention to what what the words that are coming out of their mouths. They're, the words that are coming out of their mouths you hear when you're paying attention to it, they don't make sense, right, that they, you're not able to follow a clear track of, of um, you know, clever and uh, effective problem solving, okay? That in and of itself means that your child is not feeling safe. So, the baloney advice that a professional or other parents will try to share with you or share with the internet uh, that when children lose their minds around a parent, it means that that parent is is someone that feels safe enough to lose their minds around. That in and of itself is a falsehood because by nature, when in a meltdown, a child feels unsafe. They are experiencing the world from their fear brain. Their fear brain is reacting in either fight, flight, freeze or flop. And in those experiences, the child is not noticing who they feel safe around, not noticing how to act safely, not noticing what is safe for them to do or to receive or to ask for. And so whether it's hap- the meltdowns are happening around you or in school or any other place, no one feels safe to the child in that experience because inherently they are flooded by fear, okay? So feeling safe and having a meltdown cannot be true at the same time. You know what's safe? Feeling vulnerable enough to share your emotions in a calm manner. You know what else is safe? Apologizing. Okay, children don't do that if they don't feel safe, because those are vulnerable experiences. You don't let your guard down and tell somebody what's really going on in clear and coherent ways enough to ask for help if you don't feel safe. So I'm saying this, you know, as I started today's show, talking about how this is incredibly difficult, for your child and as well as incredibly difficult for you to watch, it's also very important that you not justify this behavior. If your child is expressing that level of meltdown, this is not developmentally appropriate. It is something that needs to change in your family now. Now, think about it. If you were living in a house where the floor was caved in and your child was needing to teeter around the edges of the floor, they were not safe in that dynamic, what would you do? Would you move out? Would you go get a hotel room? Would you hire a contractor to fix the floor? All of the above would be appropriate responses on your end, right? You would do one or all of those things to fix the problem because why? It's not safe. You have to look at experiencing daily meltdowns as at the same level of intensity for your child. There is a lack of safety in your child's well being going on in their mind, in their soul, in their heart, and in their assessment of their experience of the environment. And again, this is true even if you're trying to use more research focused positive parenting strategies, okay? Because a lot of parents are missing key components to breaking out of this pattern. So I'm not going to say that showing your child they're feeling feelings in in, in life is, is ineffective or not relevant, right? That, of course that's not true. But it's just one piece. So if you're if you've got, you know, it's, it's like, you know, we go to our, our same um, metaphor here where, you know, the, the, the floor has caved in in your house in the living room. You might have put a couple boards across the hole, right? And so your child feels more safe if you're talking about emotions during the day or you're helping them see where they feel feelings uh, in some circumstances or you're trying to teach them a coping skill. So you've got the hole, right? And then you've got some boards across it, but there's still gaps in the floor. That's what I'm talking about. There's gaps in your strategy because what you're doing is you're using tactics. Okay, teaching a coping skill is a tactic. It's like having, you know, if you think about having a toolbox that, that literally solves the problem, you've got all the wood you need, you've got all the nails and screws you need, you've got the, the, um, Drywall compound or, or whatever sort of flooring is necessary. Concrete is necessary to put and rebar to put on the in in the flooring in order to build um, the the floor back up. I don't know. It depends on the structure of the the building you're you're your building here. I'm not a contractor, right? But all of those components are necessary in addition to your toolbox, which is hammers, nail right, hammers, screwdrivers, drills, right. Um, uh, grout, if you're putting tile down, the actual tile, all the materials, right? Or wood, wood's done anyways, right? We've got the subfloor down there. And um, all of those materials, we would look at that, those, each of those components as tactics. Okay, I need to nail the, the subfloor into the, um, into the base of the floor. Okay, that's a tactic. That's one piece of the puzzle. I'm gonna put a beam across the hole. That's one piece, that's a tactic, just like teaching breathing is a tactic. A strategy is to get you from A to Z, all so that the whole hole is gone, all right? That's what we're talking about. This is what we teach our parents, and the strategies is consisting of four components. We've talked about this before. I'll break that down again. But what's important is this key piece, right? Number Myth number one, that your child feels safe when they're losing their mind. When you lose your mind, do you feel calm, cool, collected? That's the concept of safety. No, it's the opposite of safety, right? You can't be calm, cool, collected and losing your mind at the same time. They're polar opposites. So it's very important that when we think about this, we look at the concept of of what we call in the the psychological world, uh, concept of flooding. When your child is spewing out all their feelings and all their worries and everything that's on their mind, this might be happening for you as a parent, might be happening through your child talking at bedtime. We see this often uh, for highly sensitive kids, that bedtime comes uh, the the time where my child is able to share with me all of what's on their mind. But what happens in that dynamic? Bedtime is, is like an hour and a half, right? Two hours sometimes. Because there's the ramp up period, there's the time where they need to get ready to go to sleep, there's the experience of your child feeling like they need to, you know, they need to think about tomorrow, but there's so much that happened today that they need to to get rid of in their mind in order to settle enough to go to sleep. And then I don't want to even think about tomorrow because tomorrow is gonna to bring more challenges and school is a pain in the neck for me because it's overwhelming and I'm worried about getting yelled at or whatever it is that's on their mind or I don't like my friend, she's been teasing me lately, whatever, right? And so if your child is, you know, their mind is moving a mile a minute, their mouth is moving a mile a minute at bedtime, this might be another experience where you say, well, at least my child feels safe enough to share their feelings with me then. And I gotta tell you, this is not a vulnerable expression of emotion. This is your child literally word vomiting because they can't hold it in anymore. That's the concept of emotional flooding. They feel flooded by their emotions all day long and they have to let it out at some point. But when you do that, what is that? That's venting. Venting is not effective at managing emotions. It is not an emotional management skill. Letting it all out actually perpetuates the frustration, anxiety, fear, and, and, and aggravation in the body, in the mind, and in the heart. And so you have to make sure that you're not telling yourself that that's, if that's happening in your home, same thing. If your child feels safe enough to tell you all of what's on their mind before they go to bed so they can feel calm enough to sleep, it's not happening. They've got the floodgates, Okay. Um, you know, the, the dam is, is, is blocked. And then they realize they have to go to sleep. They can't go to sleep because all this stuff's on their mind. So they have to let loose on you to get rid of it. Right. That's not a safe experience. Think about times when you've vented, what happens when you vent, you get all worked up and you finally feel like, Oh, I feel a little bit better because you let it, you know, sit in somebody else's lap as a problem, right? But in that experience, do you feel capable of managing your, your, your circumstances tomorrow? No. Why? Because you certainly didn't problem solve when you were venting. If you were talking to somebody when you were venting and they tried to problem solve, ooh-wee! <laughs> what happens then? You feel invalidated, right? You, you're at the point where you're not capable of problem solving, you just wanna let it all out. You want a listening ear. But that listening ear, whoever it is, is feeling frustrated because what it is venting is glorified complaining. I mean, it might not even be very, very pretty there, right? So the person you're dumping it on feels overwhelmed, so overwhelmed enough they need to feel like they need to fix it, give you advice immediately to get you out of this intensity because they can't tolerate it, right? And then you feel like venting isn't useful, okay? But it needed to happen because you had to let the steam out. Let the water flow in the, in the flooding experience. It does not stop the process of, and, and the experience of, of creating the dam of emotional intensity in the first place. You're going to be right back where you started the next day in that experience same things happening at night with your kids they might be six they might be nine they might be 15. that same level of of intensity and it doesn't have to happen at bedtime this might be happening right after school or when it's time to settle down to do the homework and they can't concentrate whatever it doesn't matter guys we're not talking the the timing of this behavior is not what makes or breaks the behavior the actual experience of having to to share this this behavior is the key symptom of the meltdown cycle that you need to back up and, and shift from the beginning. All right, so it starts with you and how you perceive the problem. Because if you see this as a strength, well, at least my kid's telling me, it might be better than them not telling you, it might not. Because some children who are not telling their parents that, that there are problems at school, they're doing that because they feel emotionally capable. You gotta gauge that based on the rest of the behavior in the household. If your child is shutting down or refusing or melting down on a daily basis, then yes, um, they're holding things in until they they explode. So they need to share it with you, but you can't wait for them to share it with you until when they're ready to burst. That's just not effective. It's not a skill. They are not using a skill there. They're exploding. It just doesn't look like there are other explosions. All right, but it's just a simple, another symptom of the meltdown cycle, just like the meltdown is. The meltdown is not uh, the behavior that you need to head off at the pass. The lack of emotional capacity to dissipate emotions all day long is what you need to be focusing on with your child. All right. So when we think about this um, from, from the bigger bigger end of, of, of this intensity, when you're, if you're, all you're doing is trying to teach your child to shift their behavior when they're, they're out of their mind, you will feel stuck. You will need to justify your experiences. You will look for people who tell you you're doing a good job, mama. You're doing a good job, dad. At least your kid tells you something. Depending on a child's age, actually not depending on a child's age, right? A four-year-old isn't going to give you a rundown of their entire day. If they feel capable through the day, they're going to miss details and sharing with you how their day went, right? Because it's not necessarily something they need to highlight and they're not, you know, their, their history reporting for four-year-old isn't, isn't the best, right? You're not going to be able to get a play-by-play on their day for most four-year-olds on a regular basis, especially if they're emotionally present in the experience because they're not necessarily um, keeping track of every single thing, right? Same thing's true for a 14 year old. If they feel capable of managing a, a situation with their peers, they're not gonna log it in their mind as something that's a dangerous experience that they need to avoid later because they handled it and they felt capable then handling it, okay? So this is really important to pay attention to. When we're, when we're noticing this dynamic and we're, we're um, experiencing the intensity, if your child feels capable of managing themselves on a day to day basis, given challenges, regular everyday challenges, right? I'm not talking about if your child's being bullied regularly, um, if your child's being mistreated in some other way. Obviously, that would be, you know, seriously concerning if they felt capable of handling that on their own. They need help to manage that. What I'm talking about is if your child can navigate regular everyday experiences without losing their mind on a daily basis, multiple times a day basis, or multiple times a week basis, then you have an emotionally regulated child and they are um, capably asking for support regularly and implementing the support that you share with them. Then if you're parenting a highly sensitive child and that's the dynamic you see in your home, great, you're not stuck in the meltdown cycle. You don't, this video, you know, this show should be validating for you that you're on the right track, you're doing something right, something's working, right? Guess what I said, didn't say here. I didn't say that means you're an awesome parent. Because everybody here listening to this show is an awesome parent. What we're talking about here isn't whether or not you're awesome, right? What we're talking about here is whether or not your strategy is working and is effective. And if your skills are effective, that's what's lacking here. Now, if you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, you can automatically go as a parent to oh, I suck at this. This is the worst. And that might make you feel like an awful parent. So when I tell you your strategy's not working, you hear, you're a bad mom. That's not what I said, okay? But what you'll be looking for is advice from people who tell you that you're a good parent. This is why it feels relieving to you when you get advice like, you know what? Your kid is losing their mind And that's, you know, it's with you. That's because they feel safe. That's why that messaging feels good. And you know what? Professionals who don't know how to break out of this pattern, when they tell parents that message and they see the smile on that parent's face and the sense of relief in that that parent's um, body language and the, oh my goodness, then that professional gets feedback that the what they're saying works for the parents coming to get their help. Clear indicator that the professional knows nothing about solving this problem if they're giving that advice. Because a professional who knows how to break out of this pattern doesn't care if they're making the parent happy in the advice they give, they know the advice they give is what's gonna move the needle. That's the difference between a professional who wants you to feel happy and a professional who wants to get you to get the result. They're not afraid of making you unhappy <laughs> because they realize that what you want at the end is not to feel good about your day-to-day, but to feel good in the long-term, to feel satisfied that you're moving the needle in your family dynamic, that you feel capable. That's the outcome you're searching for when you're stuck in the meltdown cycle, a sense of capability, a sense of being able to create your own results, not from reassurance from somebody with a nice degree on their wall. And a stamp of approval. That stamp of approval gets you nowhere when your kid is yelling at you on a daily basis. It's not what we're looking for. When we are stuck in this meltdown cycle as parents, and I, I'm using the word we because I resonate with my clients so much, this dynamic, when we're, when, you know, even in the human condition, I've felt lost in, in certain circumstances in my life. So that's also a reason why I'm using the word we here. When you feel lost, you want a direction, right? And so the direction is in finding someone who supports you in picking out a strategy that's going to work for your family. Much different than the concept of using tactics. So what's the strategy? Like I said, you got to start with yourself. How you see the problem, how you are initially uh, responsive to your child's intensities, uh, whether or not your responsivity is either enabling the problem, keeping it going, like we talked about today, or if you're making it worse, right? Like adding yelling because you're exhausted, or you're overwhelmed, or you're second-guessing whether or not teaching your kid about emotions is even moving the needle because it hasn't yet, right? So you fall back into old patterns or maybe the, perhaps the way that you were raised or just start doing the opposite of what uh, you thought would work but hasn't yet, right? Then you gotta be you know, supporting your child in experiencing their emotions in a way that makes them feel capable, okay? They have to do this without shame. You can't be telling your child that, that other kids know how to do this, why aren't they? Um, that you listen to them over and over again and they would never listen to you, so why would you even try, right? Any of those lecture components that add shame to the equation, for highly sensitive kids, it might work in the short term to get your kid to be quiet or to get them to button up or to stop their behavior in that moment, but it makes them feel worse and worse and worse over time. Shame keeps you stuck. Shame paralyzes, shame perpetuates learned helplessness. I feel terrible, might as well not even try, right? So we have to stay out of that dynamic. You have to teach your kid without those tactics uh, because they're, they're counterproductive. And you need to be able to support your child in noticing that this is a family dynamic issue, it's also an environment issue. So you're teaching skills to the whole family, managing it with every child modeling these skills to manage emotions with yourself, your spouse, co-parent, etc., partner, and doing that playfully, playfully, not reactively. Okay, you can't crack a joke if your kid's losing their mind. <laughs> you might've tried, right? And you know how well that goes. Your kid starts screeching at you because they either A, think you're mocking them or B, it's just off, color, right? Like it's just not a good time. So, um, that's important. It's the difference between making jokes and, and, and being playful. You have to be playful outside of those intense moments because your kid's not going to, not going to manage it effectively when you're, if you're using jokes or humor to, um, you know, to, to move the needle or to, you know, to, to break the ice. So, all of these components are important to, to breaking out of the pattern, and doing that has to be kid specific. Some kids won't tolerate any level of sarcasm. They won't tolerate any level of playfulness that they deem is, um, you know, beyond, underneath their their chronological age. They they might de- perceive themselves to be too mature for for play, right? So you you need some support and troubleshooting, and that's where professional support comes into play. We talked about what kind of professional, you know perspective needs to be relevant here. And uh, here at MTC, we help parents do that all the time and break out of this pattern consistently and, and uh, do that in a way that helps them feel empowered. So if that's the case and you want support to, from us, you wanna see if, if what we do is gonna be appropriate, go ahead and book a call with us. On that conversation, we will speak with you, it's free, about what you're struggling with, where you're stuck, what your goals are, and whether or not what we do is gonna help you get there. And uh, if that is relevant for your family, if what we do is going to help you get from A to Z, then we'll break it down for you how we would approach it. And uh, you can get started with us right away on that same conversation. If that's not the case, if you think that something that is more relevant, uh, if we think that something's more relevant on that conversation, then we'll tell you about it. Uh, we'll, we'll show you and point you in that direction. There might be resources you need to access before working with us is a good fit, or uh, your child might be having meltdowns and struggling in some other way—shutdowns, refusals, etc.—because of some other matter that is not, uh, you know, starting from the meltdown cycle. Okay, so that would be important for you to pay attention to, and we would share that with you and, and point you in that direction instead. Okay, so. Um, either way the, the conversation is a win-win We get to support you and noticing what your direction is and and uh, work with you if it's a good fit uh, or if it's not then you get your plan uh, of what you need to be doing and, and take the first next steps moving forward okay um, so again if you're parenting a teen high school age and up okay um, ninth grade and up then book a call with us with your teen as well so we can help your teen stop feeling like they have to hold it all in and and wait um, to explode with you um, and and find a way to have that dynamic where they don't aren't having conversations and feeling frustrated because all you want to do is help them get out of pain and that level of advice giving isn't working for them it's difficult for them to um to hear at that time Um, and and we're happy to have that conversation we look forward to to doing that with you and 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 meeting you in that Uh, Thank you for listening and uh, have a great day. Thank you for joining me on this episode of How to Parent Your Highly Sensitive Child Like a Ninja. We release a brand new episode every week, so be sure to click subscribe. If you like what you've heard and you're interested in seeing if you're a fit to work with us at MTC, here's what I want you to do next. Head on over to meganthompsoncoaching.com backslash call and book an appointment with our team. We'll get on the phone for about 60 minutes and we'll get you clarity on where you're stuck in parenting your sensitive child or teen, what your goals are for supporting your child's development. And if we can help you, we'll get you started on knowing exactly what to do to eliminate that meltdown cycle. Eliminating the daily meltdown cycle does not happen by itself, you need expert guidance to make it happen. And we've helped hundreds of clients from all over the world end that cycle in as little as eight weeks. So, To see if we can help you do the same, head on over to MeganThompsonCoaching.com backslash call. I'm Megan Thompson, and we look forward to speaking to you soon.